Hello and welcome to In the Cage episode two. For those of you finding us on this fine weekend in the end of July, my name is Zach Zaylor. Across from me is Scott Fetzko. We've changed our name. Uh, we are no longer going to be Death Touch Radio. We are now In the Cage per Scott. And Scott, it's a great weekend to be able to do this, isn't it? Very excited. I uh, got a good good card to cover that we that we kind of broke down last time, as well as a card coming up this weekend. That's uh, something that I think a lot of people are going to want to tune into. Yeah, and then last, well, three weeks ago, now it wasn't exactly last week, but three weeks ago, you actually ended up going four and two with your picks, and you got the final result to the round right on two of those. That's got to feel pretty good, doesn't it? I'm not a big gambler, but uh, I was handing out picks to some friends during the fights, and uh, they were pretty happy about it. So I'm, I'm glad that I was I was as right as I was. Hopefully uh, I can continue this luck maybe into this weekend as well. Yeah, we just got to see what's going on here. As again, uh, fight night's going to be taking place this weekend in Calgary. So be able to stay tuned for the entire podcast to see what Scott thinks is going to be the picks for this weekend and see if he can go. Eh, let's see if he can go four and two again but scott go ahead and get straight into your recap of ufc 226 yeah so obviously you have, we had a big big pay-per-view card with ufc 226 the uh champ versus champ matchup but uh just want to go ahead and start on a recap uh, a fight that i didn't cover and that was that was my fault for for not going over it but uh the fight on friday so we had one of the rising stars, someone who, who needs a shout out, and his, it's uh, Israel Adesanya, the last style bender. Uh, he faced off against Brad Tavares in the um, tough season finale. This is an undefeated prospect who made his way into the UFC. He hasn't lost yet in the UFC. He's continuing to knock people out. He didn't knock out Brad, went the distance, but won every single round of a five-round fight. So proven he's the real deal, going to get a top 10 look here. Uh, probably going to see him fight one of the top 10 guys. I've been hearing that he's probably going against Derek Brunson. That's at least the talk, but nothing booked yet. So didn't call that fight or didn't get, didn't give a pick on that fight, but I definitely think that's one worth talking about. Um, just to hop right into where I started with the pick. So um, number one fight that we covered uh, was Rafael Sunsal versus Rob Font. Um, again, Rafael Sunsal doing what he does best. Um, just unstoppable at this point. Go, takes it to a decision, won every round, exactly how I call it. Um, not surprised at all. I mean, this is, like I said, like I said before, I mean, if his name's not TJ Dillashaw, you're not going to see him lose many rounds. You're not going to see him lose many fights. Um, the guys, the guys on a roll. We'll see what happens next week. We do have Cody Garbrandt versus TJ Dillashaw. Um, that's a title fight in the Bantamweight division. I wouldn't mind seeing Rafael Sunsal get a shot. There's a lot of talk of, you know, Marlon Marias, maybe – you see, so the, there's other people who, who who get a little more attention than Rafael Sunsal. I guess is basically what I'm saying. But if if anyone deserves it, it's him. He's got 11 wins. He's the guy to he's the guy to beat at this point. If he doesn't have a title, I would I would hope to see him in that next title matchup. So the next fight on that preliminary card was Paulo Costa versus Uriah Hall. Um, again, Uriah Hall, great matchup for Paulo Costa. But as I called it, Paulo Costa gets the knockout in the second round. Uh, Paulo Costa is hands down one of the top prospects right now in the UFC. The guy coming over from jungle fights, undefeated, has not lost a fight, obviously, has not taken a fight to decision. Everything has been a knockout and then one submission, um, and he didn't stop there with Uriah. So definitely ready to see this guy against a little bit higher competition, maybe somebody in the top 
you know, five maybe. And that's exactly what we're going to see. There's already the UFC reporting that he's going to be fighting against Yo Romero on the UFC card, UFC 230. And I believe that is Madison Square Garden. Um, if that's the fight we're going to see, I'm all for it. Uh, Yo Romero is the number one contender. He just got off a loss against uh, Robert Whitaker, which was controversial, but still a loss. Hopefully uh, we see these two face off. And if we're going to talk about physiques. I mean, these two guys are shredded. This is the probably the best of the best when it comes to the, the physical specimens of the UFC, these two fighting. So I'm ready to see that. Um, now into my first pick that I got wrong. Khalil Roundtree versus Gokhan Saki. I predicted a first-round knockout. Unfortunately, I predicted a first-round knockout by the hand of Gokhan Saki, and Khalil Roundtree proved me wrong on that one. Um, I'm not sure if this is just a lack of MMA experience from Gokhan Saki or if Khalil Roundtree is just the real deal, but still an impressive win. Um, I, I, you hear some of the analysts talking about it. They, a, lot of, a lot of them are saying maybe the kickboxing isn't translating. I don't know if that's – is plain and black and white as you can say with that um Khalil Roundtree it might just be a legit fighter I'd like to see him maybe get someone again top five top ten the light heavyweight division is very weird right now um he was even being talked about fighting against Alexander Gustafson so I'd like to see him get get some top competition and really see what he's made of so again Khalil Roundtree with the first round knockout there that's my first one wrong uh, but still, I mean, that, that was an excellent fight. An excellent, exactly what we expected. Um, uh, just a barn burner of a fight to start out. And then they, they got in there and, and duped it out. And, and, and Khalil Roundtree, you know, showed up. Uh, Anthony Pettis versus Michael Chiesa. So this is another one, unfortunately, that I got wrong. Um, I really thought that the ground game of Michael Chiesa was going to shine through. We were going to see some sort of submission from him. I mean, he's he, he, he's a great grappler. I really, I really didn't see Anthony Pettis finding a way on the ground, maybe more on the feet. Uh, but Anthony Pettis taking him to the ground with a submission triangle choke. Now, keep in mind, Michael Chiesa did not make weight for this fight. Um, he came in a little bit over. He even said on the scale, this is my last fight at 155. He's a tall, lightweight. So it, 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 I think he's, he's more suited for welterweight. We've seen it a lot recently where guys are moving up in weight classes and it's actually not hurting them. They're having more power there. So I'd like to see him up there. Also like to see Anthony Pettis back on the right track. Um, we're talking a former lightweight champion talking a guy who people want to see fight so wouldn't mind seeing him maybe fighting a name and, and in that I mean he's calling out guys like Nate Diaz he's calling out other top five well or light lightweights um if I'm trying to book a a, ma a major match if I'm Dana White I'm thinking Nate Diaz we got to get this guy out he hasn't fought for two years now and uh if there's anyone who could sell pay sell pay-per-views who isn't Conor McGregor it's probably going to be Nate Diaz so I'd like to see that happen Mike Perry, Paul Felder. So, again, we had a guy who stepped in last minute in Paul Felder. Uh, Mike Perry, you know, a guy who was on a two-fight losing streak. I thought that that was going to be enough motivation. He had just recently switched camps. Um, I believe I called for a knockout in the – let's see what I had here. About a knockout in the second round. I was wrong on that. We did have a decision. It did go split, but still a great matchup. I mean, Mike Perry brought the pressure with Paul Felder. Paul Felder ended up, I think, breaking his forearm in this fight and was still able to last all three rounds, shows the toughness in that guy. I think Paul Felder may have found a pretty good place in the, in the welterweight division. I wouldn't mind seeing him stay up there. He's taller than Mike Perry. He's a pretty big guy, and he, was, he still had a lot of power, even throwing with one hand. So um, we'll see what happens there, but still a good win for Mike Perry. like to see him uh, maybe continue to stay with Jackson Wink. That's the camp that he switched to, because um, he, he showed a lot of progression in that fight. All right, Zach, so the next fight – 
it's been it's been a lot of talk. Um, there's been a lot of people really disappointed, and that is going to be Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. Uh, I called this as like the fight to watch in the first round. These guys were going to come out swinging hands. We've got two guys who are knockout artists, two guys who do not pull their punches when they're in there, especially in the first round, two guys you don't really see go the distance. Um, but this fight unfortunately did. And there were like 33 total strikes thrown. I think Francis Ngannou was responsible, responsible for 11 of those strikes. Not really sure what happened there. Um, I know that there was, there's a back injury to Derek Lewis that's lingered. I know that that they're saying that played a major key. Francis Ngannou is stating, you know, mental troubles of, of being still a little traumatized from, from the, from the real beatdown they took from Steve Miocic. You, you got to hope that both of them come back on top. I mean, I don't really know what's next for either of them. Uh, Francis Ngannou 100% is going to need some sort of like tune-up match to get his confidence back because it's not there. Derek Lewis, I'd love to see him get a little bit higher competition because I think he's worth it, but he's also got to get healthy because the last thing we want to see is him, you know, avoiding a fight. Like, like he, I mean, I wouldn't say he was avoiding a fight as much, I guess, but just obviously injured and, and, and not willing to risk anything because he was in, in a compromised position. So, unfortunately, a real letdown of a fight. Um, a lot of people had high expectations for that. A lot of people thought that was going to be a for-sure knockout in the first round. But as long as they waited and as long as they stayed for a few more minutes after that fight, uh, I think they got their money's worth. So, we're going to move – oh, and I called Lewis in that fight. Unfortunately, I called a knockout, but – so got that one right on the pick, not right on how it was ended, but on to the main event. So this was the fight. I mean, this is hands down the fight of the summer. This is probably one of the bigger cards that they've put together on the year, and this was the cherry on top. Daniel Cormier, the light heavyweight champion, versus Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight champion, the, the number one heavyweight champion of all time when it comes to title defenses. So I was very cut you know kind of torn up on who i was going to pick on this one but i eventually did settle on dc but i thought this was a decision victory for dc i did not think that these two were going to you know get too crazy in there i thought they were going to really test each other especially in the first couple rounds well dc brought the pressure dc was getting you know not not scared to take a couple shots from dc pulled away from the clinch on stipe knocked him out dc looked powerful in there with those extra 30 pounds, 40 pounds in comparison with what he's normally used to having in light heavyweight and DC knocked him out in the first round. I just, I, I I was, it was not what I expected, but man, was that a, was that a good fight? And, you know, the, the outside of the actual fight, the, the craziness carried over into the post fight. Um, So right before the fight happens, you see Brock Lesnar walking out into the ring, walking out alongside of the ring, shaking hands with Dana White, shaking hands with Joe Rogan and the other commentary team. And the second DC gets the win, he gets handed the mic. He calls in Brock Lesnar. They come in, they're shoving. There's, you know, it, it's a real, it's a real scene. And, and DC gets on the, or sorry, Lesnar gets on the mic. He disrespects Francis Ngannou, Stipe. And then he tells DC he's coming for you next. A little WWE for my taste, but you bet your ass I'm buying that fight. So, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think everyone's going to buy that fight, honestly. And getting back to the, the DC fight, uh, we were talking about it the next day, and you said, you know, you were – all the analysts were, were picking uh, Stipe. And I, I told you, I said, hey, if you keep your pick, you'll end up looking good. And uh, you did because DC came out, and he just absolutely looked – he looked fantastic, honestly. 
DC is meant to be at heavyweight. Um, I mean, he's had, he's had success at lightweight, obviously. I mean, the guy has one loss on his record and, and it isn't the lightweight division, obviously, but he looked powerful. He looked phenomenal. I mean, this is, I, if, if he never goes back down to light heavyweight, I think he'll be all right. I mean, if he wants to spend this, like he's already talked about, he's going to retire in the next year. If he spends this next year at heavyweight, takes a Lesnar fight, takes a Jones fight, if that, if that comes about, he's fine there. Like there's, there's no reason for him to, to, to starve himself, to, to cut that, that amount of weight whenever he's, he's meant to be a heavyweight. He's undefeated there. So why not stay there, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You got you to gotta go where the money is too, you know? I mean, if he's thinking about retiring, he's got to be able to make his money now and he can get out and just him and his family be good for the rest of his life. The, the, the hands down, the money matchups are in heavyweight. We've already, I mean, it's, it's not booked, but everyone's already assuming that, that, that Lesnar is his next fight. And, and you know, I mean, doesn't matter who you are. You may not even want to, you might not even listen to this podcast. You're going to want to see Brock Lesnar fight. He is a superstar across two sports. If we, if, if we're going to say, you know, wrestling is, is an official sport. I mean, he's a superstar and people care whenever he gets involved. So I don't blame him for wanting to fight him. And, and you know what? There's a lot of good rivalries that have come about in, in, in the UFC and in MMA in general, but the John Jones DC rivalry is one of the best. Those guys genuinely do not like each other. And I want to see them fight again. I don't, it doesn't even matter that, that John, you know, again, the second one was a no contest, but we all saw what happened. I don't care. I want to see this happen again. I'd like to see DC at a heavyweight. I'd like to see the, him bring that power that he had against Stipe. Let's make it happen. Hopefully John Jones gets his, his, you saw the situation situated and we, we can move forward. That would definitely be a very intriguing round three, but getting back to the recap of 226 for a second, you already mentioned a couple prospective matchups that could happen out of 226, but what do you think should be the next matchups that come out of 226? So a Sun Sal, I think he's, he needs to be in title contention. If he's not going to fight uh, the, the winner of, of Garbrandt Dillashaw, he needs to get somebody who's also in his, we're talking in the top three when he, I mean, this guy needs to fight whoever either loses that fight or he needs to fight. Um, maybe, maybe Cruz, Dominic Cruz, you know, maybe it, there's, he just, he can't keep stepping back and taking these fights. This guy is, is the real deal. He needs to at least be next up for the title or he needs to be fighting for the title after this next fight like he needs like a title eliminator or he needs to be the next one up because we'll break down that fight down the road but a lot of people think that winner of tj versus cody will potentially fight demetrius johnson in the flyweight division that i'd like to see who knows if that happens i just think that a sun Sal doesn't need to be fighting guys you know like from five to ten like he has been he needs to be fighting the the if he's fighting, then if he's the number three, he needs to fight the number two. If he's the number two, he needs to fight the number one. I'm just, I can't, I can't keep seeing him fight like number tens. He's, 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 he's too good for that. So uh, Costa, he's already confirmed for Romero. Um, that's going to be a good fight. Uh, that's a true test for him as well. So as an undefeated fighter, I mean, he's fighting a guy who's fought for the middleweight title three times in a row now, actually, when you think about it, he fought, he fought Whitaker, he fought Rockhold for the interim, and then he fought Whitaker for the interim again. So this is that's 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 a big fight. Um, for Roundtree, I'd like to see him maybe get a little more into the, the, the lightweight division is weird. So when it comes down to like who's a good prospect, it really comes down to who's going to be available. So 
there's a lot. Anthony Smith is looking good. He's getting looks into possibly fighting for an interim title, they're saying, um, against maybe Gustafson. If Luke Rockhold, for, for whatever reason, wanted to move up, he would be a good fight. Roundtree's kind of a, a pick em. There's just too much. You know, I'll just I'll call my pick. I'd love to see him fight an OSP. We've got two guys who are just raw athletes. I'd like to see them get out there and 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 and, and duke it out. I'll go with OSP over in St. Peru. Um, Pettis. I want to see him fight a name. I want to see him fight somebody who is still in the top ten of the lightweight division, but maybe not. You know, the the Poiriers, maybe not the um Alvarez is maybe not like the Ferguson's of the world yet I'd maybe like to see him fight a Nate Diaz and maybe like to see him fight a Kevin Lee or an Edison Barbosa so if I had to pick I'd pick Nate Diaz but any of those names would be good picks if he fights Nate Diaz that's a headliner on a card so that would be a good fight to see um if we're going to talk Derek Lewis I want to see him fight this back injury number one but there's 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 guys out there maybe a blades I mean the heavyweight division is going to be in a little bit of a lull while this is going on with um Lesnar and, and DC. So if we're not going to see DC defend the title, Curtis Blades is in waiting. I'd like to see him fight somebody tough. Um, uh, Volkov, an, an undefeated fighter in the heavyweight division, would maybe like to see him fight a uh, Derek Lewis. Any of those top contenders, he doesn't need to fight back at this point. Um, for DC, it, it, I think it's going to be Brock at this point. I don't really see him going down to light light or lightweight or light heavyweight. Sorry again. Um, he already said he's not going to fight Gustafson made a big post about that so uh if it's not brock it's got to be jones um i don't see him taking anybody other than at this point what we're going to call a money fight even though i don't think jones is really a money fight i mean that's a competitive matchup i mean john jones if he was a heavyweight would be the number one heavyweight so i would say dc is going to be with brock and if he's not with brock we're going to wait until this Jones things happen. And then we'll, it'll be Jones again with the Brock thing. We got to see this guy pass a drug test. So he recently entered the Asada testing pool. Um, we'll see how that pans out. He's got to go six months. So if we're going to see these guys fight, it might not be until 2019. Still, there's a lot of good prospective matchups that could be coming up here soon in UFC. And we'll talk about a couple later because, you know, there's a, a guy with a pretty big name who pled guilty and got his charges down today so that's something to look forward to as well but before we move on to current events is there anything else you have to add about dc versus brock or is that a question for another day i you know like the number one thing is i want to see i want to see how this how he's getting back into the asada testing pool works for brock um again well dc at this point has nothing to prove um so let's let's see what happens with him and in 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 his his the problem is, is the two guys he wants to fight are not cleared by USADA. So we need to see that happen before we see him fight. Cause I just don't see him fighting anyone else. So yeah, if, if, if it's not Brock, it's Jones, but I, I have a feeling it's going to be Brock. So Dana White loves Brock Lesnar. There's no secret about that. So I think he's going to pull as many strings as he can to get him, to get him in DC in the next, uh, next big fight. Maybe, maybe start of 2019, but we'll see. So current events in UFC going on right now, there's, Four big questions that Scott and I would like to talk about today. Number one being former heavyweight champ Stipe Miocic was making the media round last week demanding a rematch. Do you, Scott, think the UFC should give Stipe an immediate rematch? So, you know, we, we just talked about it with DC. Um, obviously, I do think that Brock is his next matchup, but I can 100% agree with Stipe. We're talking about the guy who won the most consecutive 
title defenses in, in UFC heavyweight history. He fought pretty much everyone who he pretty much anyone he could fight in the heavyweight division. He faced off with that's why he faced DC. I mean, there were, he was kind of running out of matchups in that, in that division, especially with, with Cain Velasquez being out. Um, I, I do, I do think that he deserves a, a rematch. We've seen champions with less who've lost their title, get an immediate rematch. Uh, Cody Garbrandt, for example, Cody Garbrandt had one win and immediately got a rematch with TJ Dillashaw after losing. So I do think he deserves it. I think he's in the right for demanding it. The problem is with the UFC now is we are in the entertainment era of the UFC where they're worried about, you know, not the competitiveness as much as I believe is just, you know, who, how many people are going to buy it. And the unfortunate reality is that more people are going to buy Brock than Stipe. Now I'm with him. I, ho- I hope that we see him fight somebody who immediately puts him in the talks afterwards. Again, DC is going to be done in a year. If that means maybe he fights a Cain Velasquez, if that maybe he gets, you know, uh, a Curtis Blades, somebody who he hasn't fought yet, I'll take it. But I completely agree with him. He does deserve a rematch. So what we can only hope for in his case is that Brock doesn't hit farewell in these USADA, um, in the USADA testing pool and that they need a rematch immediately and Stipe is ready to go. Well, that would definitely be something that Stipe, that would really help Stipe move forward with that if Brock or even John Jones can't go. But after Max Holloway backed out of his featherweight title match with Brian Ortega in UFC 226, the UFC offered Ortega Jeremy Stevens for the interim featherweight title, but Ortega declined. Do you blame Ortega for not tank- taking the fight or was asking Ortega to take a fight on three days' notice too soon? So that's a, it's a, it's a tough one because when it, when it really comes down to Ortega's situation, he was asked to take a new opponent three days before the fight. Ortega is, is another one of these undefeated fighters who is right on the cusp of, of you know, possibly winning a championship. Um, he has his opponent swept out from under him and they say, hey, take this guy. It's not someone he's used to. Totally different fighter than Jeremy Stevens. Um, I don't blame him because there's a lot to lose and very little to gain. There's not a big change in what happens with these interim fighters. Um, you want the real belt. You want the real championship. Um, so I don't blame him for it. Now, on the U- from the UFC side of things, I also don't blame them. I mean, they're, they book this as the heavyweight super fight in the featherweight championship, and that was, a, that was taken from them. So no one's in the wrong here. There, you understand both sides as a promotion and as the fighter, but I cannot blame Brian Ortega. He is, he's got a perfect record. Don't risk it. The real money's at the end of the rainbow on this championship. And I really want to see him in a Holloway fight. So I'd hate to see us lose that. So don't blame Brian Ortega whatsoever. So the next question I have for you is the UFC booked Tyrone Woodley versus Darren Till for the welterweight championship at UFC 228. What do you think about the matchup and what does this mean for interim champ Colby Covington? So what I think about the matchup, uh, Tyron Woodley hasn't fought in almost a year. He's had some shoulder issues having surgery. He's tried to book other fights. Um, there's been a little bit of a delays on his end. It's really not as much on the UFC's end. I mean, not really much as not really so much his fault, but uh, definitely ready to see him come back. The, uh, the welterweight division is probably that in the, in the lightweight, some of the best talent. And the number one guy, the number one young fighter in that division right now, in my eyes, is Darren Till, another guy undefeated. Um, he has handled almost everyone he's fought. He, he took on 
Cowboy Cerrone, Donald Cerrone, knocked him out. Took on Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, the number one prospect. Took him in five rounds. Um, and dom and I and wouldn't say dominated, but but clearly won three of the of the five rounds. So I'll get you got to give that one to him. Um, I think Till is one of those young superstars who you want to you really want to kind of get the UFC machine behind. He really just oozes confidence, and he's he's not really like he's almost like Connor, but a little less cocky with how he talks about things. Like he knows he's great. He knows that he's he's meant for greatness, and and anyone should be able to get behind that. Now he's a big welterweight, so he's one of the another one of those guys who you can see possibly moving up into middleweight and having a run there. So we're talking about another guy who's a pr- prospective doubleweight champ. I like this matchup. I think Till could have maybe gone one more fight before it, but I'm not mad about it. So I'm okay with with him with him getting this matchup for sure. What this means for Colby Covington? So as you know, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, Colby Covington won the interim championship. He's now talking about that being. They're now talking about that being stripped from him, because he's not able to fight on this card in, sept, in uh, September. This kind of shows how little interim championships mean. Now, we, as we talked about before with with Ortega, there's not as much weight as there is with a regular championship. I think that it's a little bit short sighted on the UFC's part because there's a true rivalry between Covington and Woodley. We're talking about Covington, who has talked smack on Woodley for about a year. We're talking about former teammates. These guys need to fight each other because they're going to be able to cut a great promo. I think it's a little short-sighted, but I do want to see Till get these get these bigger matchups. So I'm not mad about it, but I'm just kind of confused as to why they gave him the interim championship if they're just going to take it away after a month. This was something that could have sold well. Not the greatest idea for the UFC, but hopefully we can maybe salvage it down the road. Yeah, and like you were talking about earlier, you'd think that they'd want the money fights because that seems to be what the direction that UFC is heading is is always having the huge money fight and always wanted to do those matchups rather than, you know, a lot of some of the matchups that some people would be more fair. You know what I'm saying? No, I agree. And, and the thing, too, is that I talked about this before. Colby Covington is taking the, the – the, he took the WWE Hill book, he opened it up, and he read it page by page for the past two years. And everyone either hates him or they love him. They think he's hilarious. He's going to sell pay-per-views off that, though. When you get that polarizing, I either hate you, I love you. People, if they hate you, they're coming to see you lose. Let's let him get these fights against guys who are who are true champions and, and see how it does. Because I, I just I, the rivalry's there. And, and, and there's something to be sold off of entertainment. But then again, even if we've got two true top fighters in that division it's all it's going to sell and then you put that rivalry in the mix it's going to make it even better right because there's there's something about that wwe quality where if there's an actual storyline if there's you know actual interest people are going to be more interested in it and that's just that's just human nature that's everything from tv shows to walking down the street and seeing two people argue so i totally agree with that it's a tale as old as time with heels and it's not just in the ufc i mean you've got chael sonnen People loved him or they hated him. Conor McGregor to a certain level, love him or hate him. Ric Flair, you know, whoever it is, people, Floyd Mayweather, people who don't like people will tune in to watch them lose. Put him on the card, sell some pay-per-views. Let's get this thing going. I, I totally agree. So earlier today, Scott, Conor McGregor pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct in a deal with prosecutors to avoid jail time. He also uh, pleaded down. And he will do community service and anger management, and he will be cleared of all criminal charges. Before we get into the Connor versus Khabib 
Uh, what do you think this does for the UFC? Do you think Connor's going to be back sooner than later? So I mean, every it's 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 been the talk of the town today, and I've and I've tried to keep my ear to to the streets on all of it. You know, following up with with all the major news sources, all the major journalists in the game, and everyone is saying that negotiations are intact. I've listened to interviews with Adi Attar, Connor's manager. I've listened to interviews with Ali Abdel Aziz, Khabib's manager. They all are talking about it. Um, if you if you're paying attention to the social media of Conor McGregor, there's no doubt he's in shape. If you're paying attention to the social media of Khabib, there's no doubt he's also in shape. Um, I, I think this is something we're going to see sooner rather than later. And from what I'm hearing, October is, is what they're aiming for the fight in Vegas. If it doesn't happen in October, I'm hearing December. Again, that's a huge gap. We're saying two different things, but that's what every, uh, all the major sources are reporting it. I think it might be, it might be real this time. I've been waiting a while for this. Um, this has potential to be one of the biggest fights in UFC history. I mean, Connor is responsible for about four to five of the top fights in, in UFC history when it comes to pay-per-view sales. Um, we need to get this show on the road. We need to, we need to book this fight. We need to build around this fight. We need to get a world tour going if possible. And this could be something serious. I mean, we, this might be the biggest. Um, there's already the rivalry there. Conor McGregor already cut the promo months ago when he threw that dolly through the bus window. This is the fight to make, and I and I and I can't wait to see it happen. Yeah, and I think that raises the question for a lot of people, especially after all of his charges were dropped today. If if that was some elaborate stunt, I think a lot of people now think it was just something that maybe a couple people knew about because you know it's there's a lot of mystery of how he even got in there to that part of the stadium. Right. I mean, there's everyone's got a, a, a somewhat of an opinion on it. And I and I can and I can and I can see everyone's point. But when it really comes down to it. When Conor McGregor threw that dolly through the window and it was recorded, he went ahead and, and, and saved the UFC millions of dollars on a promotional video. Khabib walks off the bus, says, tell me where you are. I'll fight you there. I mean, it, it's it's on. These guys want to fight each other. There's there's an element there. I mean, you, you look at in the World Cup final. Conor McGregor's Vladimir Putin's guest of honor. Khabib's in the in in the crowd with the fans. It 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 just it sells itself, man. They, these guys are meant to fight each other, and 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 Khabib has Conor's belt. Khabib Conor never lost the belt. They just stripped him of it. Khabib's never lost. It it, it it's a match made in heaven when it comes to when it comes to the 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 marketing, the making of this fight. We got to see it. I'm hoping it's sooner rather than later, but I, I want to see it done right. If we can get a good world tour behind this, I I, I truly believe this is we're talking in, in maybe over two million in, in in pay-per-view sales. I mean, this this is the fight to make. Oh yes, this is going to be a national, even world story over the next few months. And like you said, it sounds like it's going to happen sooner rather than later. So I guess we should just kind of buckle up and see where the tour is gonna take us and hopefully it's leads to something that's as great as the buildup has been. But before we get into the fight night and Calgary picks, there's one more thing that we need to talk about, and that is Cormier's legacy. What do you think the second belt means for him, and where does he rank now in the greatest of all time? So when you talk about the greatest of all time, it's there, there's a lot that goes into it because the MMA is, is still a young sport, but there's always there's been a lot of changes now. I mean, if you're talking to some of the old – the old heads, the old fans, they're going to tell you it was 
Fedor Emelianenko and, and Anderson Silva. You talk to some of the newer, more guys who can, who can, and this is no disrespect for the old, to the older fans, the pride fans, guys who can really take a grasp of, of the entire sport. They'll probably tell you John Jones. They'll probably tell you George St. Pierre. You talk to the, 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 the brand new, the Connor fanboys. I'm probably going to tell you it's Connor. But when we, when we, when we really look at it, when we separate the clutter, when we look at, you know, separate, you know, we look at what USADA has done for the sport. It really clear thin, thins out the pack. And, you know, George, George St. Pierre, two titles, great fighter, has lost fights though in his past. We talk about DJ, Demetrius Johnson, fights in a weight class, maybe not as competitive. We talk about Connor, a guy who really tore up the welter or the featherweight division, didn't do much in lightweight, kind of bounced for a little bit. We'll see what happens. But when we talk about Daniel Cormier, we talk about a guy who's always fought clean. We talk about a guy who was in the heavyweight division and never lost a fight. A guy who moved down to lightweight for his, so his friend Payne Velasquez could fight for the title and only lost to John Jones, a fighter whose legacy is definitely one to be, you know, you put it on a pedestal to a certain level, but also to be questioned because of the, because of the, the failed drug test, because of what's going on currently. That's his one loss. And then he comes back to win the second title and holds him at the same time. The, he's the only dual title or dual title holder that you can look at and said, did it the right way. And he's the only one who, you know, 100% in, in, in all, out of all the, everyone that I, I I've talked about outside of Demetrius Johnson, GSP and Connor who, who did it completely clean. I mean, no offense to DC, but look at the guy. He doesn't look like somebody who's going to do steroids. Got a little bit of a belly on him. He's not shredded, but he's an athlete. I mean, I, I, I have a hard time looking at his body of work, looking at what he's done and not saying that he is your number one pound for pound at all time at this point. I can see other guys making a case down the line, but when we look at it right now, when we look at who he's fought, he has one loss in his career. And that one loss is to John Jones, a guy who is on question right now when it comes to what his legacy really means because of per- performance enhancing drugs. So I'm going to take him at my number one right now. I, I have to put him in my number one pounder pound. I just don't think you can argue with those facts. So if you're comparing him to other sports, you're saying DC to the UFC currently is like Tom Brady to football or Sidney Crosby to hockey. I can't disagree. I really can't there. You just, you, you, you have to, you have to look at the body of work. You have to look at the competition he was fighting. I mean, DC wasn't fighting scrubs. DC wasn't fighting anybody who, who, you know, was like anyone would say, oh, that was an easy matchup. I mean, you look at the heavyweight fights he fought in strike force and UFC, we're talking all top 10. We're talking all top fives here. He fought the best of the best in lightweight. He defended his title against the best of the best in lightweight. He's the guy. So I, I, I got to say he's number one right now. I would, I would, I have a hard time. You know, you look at GSP, the body of work is there, but GSP has some losses. He avenged those losses, but he has some losses. Demetrius Johnson, a dominant flyweight fighter. But when he moved up to Bantamweight, when he was fighting there before the flyweight division was created, had some losses. So I have to, you know, I have to, you know, take all that in perspective. And I, I just, I truly believe that, that, that at this point, again, there's people who can make a case, you know, Demetrius Johnson has still has time. Conor McGregor still has time. GSP still has time. John Jones still has time. We don't know the verdict on this whole USADA case, but I got to, I got to give it to, I got to give it for now to, to DC. 
it's always it's always pretty humbling to think about all the great athletes that you get to watch in in today's world. And I'm pretty new to UFC, but I've seen Daniel Cormier fight before, and I got to say he's got to be one of the the more talented guys that I have ever seen in a pay per view. So and it's and it's shocking too because you look at his physique and you wouldn't believe it. Yeah, but you know a lot of those guys. I mean, they're athletes. If you talk to someone who played you know football, they'll tell you even an NFL offensive lineman. I mean, he's still going to be more athletic than probably the most athletic person we know, if, if you know what I mean. Hey, look at Bartolo Colon's career. Hey. That guy looks like he hammers a, hammers a 12-pack every night before he goes to bed. Well, he's listed right now on MLB.com <laughs> at being 325 pounds, and he's still pitching at 50 years old. So, <laughs> it, Holy hell. Crazy. Holy hell. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, to finish up the podcast, as we keep teasing – we got to go ahead and get your UFC fight night in Calgary picks. And as we kept talking about, you were four and two last week and you got the final decision right in half of them. So how do you see this week's fight night unfolding? One thing I do want to, I do want to correct you on is I was actually five and two, five and two. Yeah. Okay. I only got two wrong. So we're going to go and we're going to keep a running tally of this just to see where, how I, what I can really do. So I'm going to start with just the main card because um, I'm not going to pretend that I know everything about everyone going into these preliminaries. So uh, Alex Hernandez versus Olivier, Olivier Aboun Mercier. Um, this is the solo fight with a Canadian fighter on it. Um, if you're not familiar with Olivier, he's he's a pretty pretty funny guy to at least pay attention to when it comes to these uh, – these pre-fight press conferences, post-fight press conferences, and uh, just on social media, got a pretty sick mustache. Um, I, I I think with him being like the hometown favorite, I also think with him being on a four-fight win streak that he he's got to be your guy. Um, he, I wouldn't I wouldn't go ahead and put him as one of those guys who needs to be bumped up, you know, far into the 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 ranking picture when it comes to you know being in in the. Uh, lightweight welterweight whatever he eventually decides to, to weigh on i mean he's been mostly a lightweight but whatever weight class i just think he's he's going to be your guy moving forward um he he's winning at least a lot of his fights by knockout submission he i i they they put him in I, in my opinion they put him on this on the on the main card because he's the solo canadian to be on this main card and i just think this is this is going to be his win to get so i'm going to go with him i'm going to go ahead and just take him i'm going to take him in a decision on this fight um i i don't I don't see him getting, getting a, getting a submission early. Um, but you know, hopefully I'm wrong. I, if, it, if it's not a decision, my backup plan would say he'd get a submission probably around the second round, but I'm going to stick with the submission. So or decision, sorry. So, uh, in the women's straw weight fight next, you got Joanna Jenjacic versus Tisha Torres. Um, I already know Joanna is a heavily favored in this fight. Um, and with good reason, uh, for a pretty long time, Yoana looked to be the unstoppable force of women's fighting uh, outside of, you know, Chris Cyborg. I mean, she was becoming very marketable. She was starting to try to get into acting. She was undefeated. She just looked unbelievable. And then Rose Namajunas came in and slowed her down twice. So I, I look to see her bounce back. I do not think that this is like she, that Rose exposed a bunch of weaknesses in her game or anything. I just think that, Joanna's the better fighter. And I think that Rose and Joanna are going to probably fight again before it's all said and done. But I, I see Joanna winning this fight, and I'm going to go ahead and call this. I, I would, I'd have to say at least a second-round knockout for, for Joanna on this fight. 
into the featherweight division. We've got Jose Aldo versus Jeremy Stevens. So an interesting fact about this fight, Zach, is that Jose Aldo, this is the first time he has fought in a non-title fight in nine years. Wow. Um, this this is the former king of the of the featherweight division. Until Conor McGregor came and dethroned him, there was there he I mean he was he was in the talks, if not the pound for pound fighter at that time. I mean he was just there was nobody even on on close to on his level. Frankie Edgar, Chad Mendez, it didn't matter. He 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 handled everyone. And then in came Conor McGregor, in came Max Holloway. Things changed a little bit, unfortunately, for him. Now, do I think he'll ever beat Max Holloway after two losses? No, I don't. Do I think that this is the end of Jose Aldo? No, I also do not. I'd love to see another Frankie Edgar fight because, one, Frankie Edgar wants that win, wants that win against Jose Aldo. They fought twice. Two, it's an entertaining fight every time. Jeremy Stevens is good, and Jeremy Stevens has had some pretty intense, vicious knockouts against uh, – here, let me bring it up real quick because he's had, I think, a couple in a row. Uh, Josh Emmett, which was graphic to say the least. Dung Ho Choi, great knockout. The decision against Gilbert Melendez, but he essentially mauled his leg in that fight. So he's on a three-fight win streak. Um, do I do believe Jeremy Stevens is is a, is a top contender and a good fighter in the featherweight division, but I do not know if, if he's – really there yet when it comes to Jose Aldo. So I'm, I'm going to have to say Jose Aldo in this fight. I'm going to pick Jose Aldo. I'm going to go decision fight, decision win for Jose Aldo. So into the main event, um, this is actually a very ex- – overall an exciting card, but a very exciting fight in the main event. So Eddie Alvarez versus Dustin Poirier. This is – this essentially, in my opinion, is is the is the this decider for who will fight um, Khabib versus Connor. Now, we've already seen Eddie Alvarez versus Connor, so maybe, maybe not. But Dustin Poirier has put on a pretty impressive uh, win streak as of recently. Um, he's, taught, he's, he's fought a lot this year. But the, the, the main things that need to be noted is, is that he had the, the win against Justin Gaethje, the win against Anthony Pettis, the no contest about, against Eddie Alvarez, which we'll talk about, the win against Jim Miller. He's just – he's been on a roll. Now, we did see – we did see Dustin Poirier versus Connor in the past, different weight class. I'm not going to do MMA math. We'll see what happens. But the main thing that should be noted is Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier have both beat Justin Gaethje. They are clearly the number two, number three guy. And the other thing that needs to be noted is that Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier have also already fought. Now that fought that fight ended in a very controversial, illegal knees by Eddie Alvarez. There's this weird thing right now in, in MMA and in the UFC where not every state is ado- has adopted the universal rules that have been set. Um, and I believe there was some confusion ended in a no contest. My opinion should have been a disqualification in the win to Dustin Poirier. Either way, we get this fight again. So I like Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez is, is the underground king. He's won a championship in almost every promotion possible, it seems like, at this point. But Dustin Poirier is on a roll. I think Dustin Poirier was winning that fight against Eddie Alvarez prior to those illegal knees. And I think Dustin Poirier wins this fight. So I'm going to have to say Dustin Poirier in this fight. I'm going to go the second round knockout. Okay. All right. So that's what you think is going to happen this weekend. And like you said, we'll keep a running tab. As you corrected me last week or three weeks ago, I should say, I keep saying last week, you were five and two. So for this week, you have, Olivier and a decision, and you said backup is a submission in the second round. 
And then for the Jinjajic and Torres fight, you have Torres in a second round knockout. No, no, Joanna, Joanna, Joanna. Oh, did it change? Joanna. No, no, I definitely have Joanna in that fight. If I misspoke, then I apologize. But I do not see Torres winning this. This is this is Joanna is going to continue to do what she does. I just I just don't know if it's going to be at the title level. Okay, that was my fault. I just have it written down wrong. So you have Joanna in the second round knockout. You have Aldo with a decision, and you have Poirier with a second-round knockout. So hopefully your luck is as good this week as it was three weeks ago. like to see it. Um, I think we need to come back together next week because we do have a pay-per-view event that definitely needs to be covered. Big, two big title fights. We'll get into that. Oh, but, yeah. Well, uh, as we get I'll deeper let... here, I'd like to get you know a weekly thing going on for our listeners. Exactly. Well, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I think that uh, that we've got some good picks here. I'd like to keep this running total going and uh, see what I what I can put together. <laughs> yeah, and we're, you know, uh, if you're out there and you're listening to us right now, we are on currently on eight different apps. Uh, we are on Spotify and, of course, Anchor, the app that we use to publish our podcast. So hopefully you found us. Scott and I are going to try to do some more Instagram and Twitter stuff. And of course, we're going to share it on our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter. So thank you for listening uh, out there to In the Cage, episode two. Again, we changed our name. Any last words before we go, Scott? Well, if any, for everyone out there listening, thanks for, thanks for you for doing so. Hopefully, you're going to provide some more content to you soon. And uh, keep, keep listening, subscribe, do whatever you need to do. Yeah, subscribe, resubscribe, and continue listening to each new episode of In the Cage.